Let's get our Bibles out. Good morning. There for a minute when Tracy said mugs and muffins, I was thinking mug shots. And I was like, how do you know? Anyways, um, a lot of times before I could come up here, God deals with me with these sermons. And I wasn't really totally surprised when Tracy called and said he wasn't feeling good. Because a couple nights prior to that, my wife was talking to me and I was telling her how God was dealing with me, giving me scriptures and stuff. And I had a funny feeling that it was going to end up me sharing it from the pulpit. And then Tracy called and said, well, I'm not feeling too good. Could you back me up? I said, yeah, I'll back you up. But you'll be all right. You'll be fine. And next night he goes, you're going to have to take it. So I wasn't totally shocked. But I want to talk today a lot about how the church world, how we are as a church in the whole world of pictures. Um, There's a lot of problems in the church, and we see that, and, and there should be. Understand a couple of things. To be a healthy church, we got to have babes in Christ, toddlers in Christ, preteens in Christ, teens in Christ, then maturity in Christ, and on and on and on. That's how you have a healthy body. If we were all in the same place, we'd be kind of stagnant. So a lot of times I get people saying, well, look, you're preaching that message. I heard it a million times. I can promise you, I've heard a lot of messages time and time again. But if my heart is right and I'm prepared, I can receive anything that's being spoken from the pulpit. But I can also close my mind. So today I want to turn the tables on you. I want accountability from the body. See, I hear it said a lot that, oh, you know, I'm going to go to another church because uh, I don't feel I'm getting spiritually fed. Understand, most people come to church once a week. I can't force feed you when you're at home. There has to be accountability in the body of Christ to pick up your own Bible, to read your own Bible, and to grow to maturity. And then you get to the point where you feel like that maybe you're spiritually above. Then I want you to start getting involved in teaching and reaching out and helping others. That's what a strong body does. We need one another. It's iron sharpens iron. I do not know everything. But I know there has to be a time that we stand up and be used of the Lord. A lot of times uh, people will look and they say, well, I believe in Jesus, but they do not attend church. And I want to give you a little insight on that Greek word for believing. It tells you if you look up the Greek, it said to put one's spiritual trust in Christ and to commit. The problem with the church world today, there seems to be a lack of commitment, at least in America. We always want somebody else to do it. And God's calling other people. There's always got to be people at every stage of our Christian walk for the church to continue. Now, Christ has done everything he could for the church. But now there's got to be a time that we look in the mirror and say, why not me? Why not now? God, use me. Not Dwayne. Not Tracy. God, use me. There's got to be accountability. And today I'm going to talk to you a little bit uh, in the chapter, uh, book of Matthew, chapter 7. And I want you to understand 
that Jesus now has been preaching a sermon on, it's called uh, the Mount of Olives. And there was more than one sermon, and then more than one sermon. He preached, he preached, he preached, and we know it went on all day long. And we have a hard time getting people here for a couple hours. Where's the commitment from the body of Christ to get to the church, get involved in the church, to stand up and take your role on? Because I'm going to tell you, God didn't make you to take up space and breathe his air and drink his water. He made you for a plan and purpose. And if you will dive into the word of God, he will reveal his plan and purpose for you. All I wanted to know when I got born again was what church was right. You know how many churches there are? I'm hearing everything, you know. And I see people going, this doctrine and that doctrine. And I'm going to make it simple for you. It's not Christ and but. It's Christ alone. That's all you need. It's not Christ and the Sabbath. It's not Christ and Watchtower. It's Jesus Christ himself and only him who purchased your salvation. That's where it starts. People always say, well, you give kind of a simple message. I said, it's hard to give a deep message when people can't even understand the simple message. I've had people born again for 20 years and say, why don't we worship on Saturday? Can I tell you something? God wants you to worship him seven days a week, not just one day. It's not one day. He wants you worshiping him seven days a week, a complete commitment on your part because he was completely committed for you. So as we lay the grounds today, I want you to understand that as Jesus is talking, we're going to start out in Matthew 7, 13. And he says, enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go in by it, because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life. And there are few, understand that word, few who find it. I'm going to tell you, Jesus is saying, I am the only way. There is no other way to get to heaven. No other religion. I hear people say, well, they're a good religion, and that's a good religion. What religion is good that is going to sentence you to a lifetime in darkness and away from the Heavenly Father? There is none good. Jesus is the only way. He's saying, this is the narrow gate. He goes, I am that narrow gate. If you don't come through me, you didn't make it. Jesus is our only way. He is our only hope. So as we look at him as our only hope, he said in John 14, Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So a lot of times I have young Christians say, help me in my Christian walk. And I said, well, I'll make it as easy as possible for you if you just listen. And they say, okay. I said, it's all about Jesus. It always has been. It always will be. People will come up to you and say, well, you need this and you need that. The only thing you need to get through this life is Jesus Christ, nothing else. He will carry you when you need to be carried. He would hold you when you were hurting. He will always be there for you. And he said he'd never forsake you. He's all you need. The Apostle Paul would refer to a Christian walk as a race. 
But to be in a race, you got to get in the starting gate. Jesus, for us, is that starting gate. And on this journey, when I look at it as a race, as my Christian walk, I realize it's not a sprint, but it's a marathon. It's a long, grueling race. But Paul said, run that to win the prize. When I started out, I used to see men of God here and men of God there, and I really loved their walk, and I was really excited about them. And as time went by, one fell off here and one there. One starts preaching some crazy nonsense, and they got off the path. It's like they forgot where they started from, the gate of Jesus Christ. He did everything. Let us go ahead and pray. Jesus, I praise you and I thank you, Father God. I thank you for everything you've done for us, Father. How much more can we ask than for your son to bear our sins, Father? And Jesus, you promised us that where two or more gathered together, there you'll be in the midst of us. So we pray that you send your spirit, Father, to touch every one of us, Father God, that my words would be yours, Father, and that they'd be spoke clearly. We ask you this in Jesus' name. A marathon. I used to run races way back in high school. I did the Boulder Boulder, Jose Maldunes, and smaller races. Uh, my wife actually ran some marathons. So as I was preparing this title, I had to go up and ask her some questions about running a marathon. And she told me, she goes, you know the hardest part about running a marathon? It's mental. She goes, it's mental. 90% of it is mental. In this walk, Christianity... The battle is for the mind. 90% of it is right here. It's mental. Whose voice are you going to hear? Who are you going to listen to? What am I going to do today? What am I going to watch? What am I going to read? What am I going to do? It's mental. Choice is yours. You can watch that show you know better too. I get a, a lot of comments on, or used to, I'm not on Facebook anymore, about, you know, this show's no good, that show's no good. It amazes me how we can get a simple show on that's rated G or PG and everybody condemns it, but they'll go to an R-rated movie and I never hear nothing about it. Be careful, little eyes, what you see. What I'm telling you is you have the same amount of time in a day as I have, as Tracy has, as Pastor Jim has. What we do with our time is up to us. But if in this marathon, if you're going to prepare, you're going to have to prepare your mind for what God wants to do. Because this long road is like sometimes you're going uphill, and it's a struggle, and it's a battle. And you get bruised and beaten. And sometimes you can glide. And sometimes you're on that mountain low wondering, can I get out of this? But I promise you this. If you fix your eyes on the Word of God and on Jesus Christ, He'll pull you out of the valley low. He'll carry you along the way. But when I see people that I thought were on fire for God and they walk out of their marriage because they, I don't feel it anymore. Or they walk away from God and say, I don't need church anymore. I'm going to tell you, you need the church. Satan will get you out for one week. Doesn't matter how. Well, there's a real good football game on today, and I want to pull them out for one week. 
And then it's easier to miss week number two and week number three. And I run into the people, where are you at? Well, you know, you don't have to be saved to go to church, brother. Iron sharpens iron, forbid not the gathering together of the saints. I need you. You're part of my family. We need one another. We're stronger together than ever alone. We're stronger when we're in the word of God than we're out there watching worldly things. So my question is, instead of telling me you're not fed, where is your commitment? Is your commitment in your prayer life? Is your commitment in reading your word? Is your commitment to attending church regularly? Where is your commitment? I knew a long time ago when I read the, the sower sowing seeds that I could easily be one that got off the path because I had no root. I could easily be the guy that troubles of life and the worry that I could get out of this world and leave the church. But I told myself, if I am going to make it to where I want to go, I have to be fully committed to the cause. I have to focus in on God, so that means I have to be committed to his word and committed to the church. So I told myself, if the church open, I need to be there spiritually. It makes me stronger. I need to be committed to reading his word and to prayer. Because life's hard on all of us. Every one of us goes through trials and temptations and trouble. But there's a way out. Jesus will pull you out every chance he gets. He can't pull you out if you're not listening. And you're watching all the wrong stuff. If the news makes you depressed, pick up your Bible and shut off the news. You don't know how many people in the church say, well, I'm worried about COVID. I'm worried about this. I'm worried about that. Does, is God God or is he not? Is Jesus Lord of all or Lord of none? He's in charge. He said, all authority. So when you're going to something, it's not for you to say, oh, no, 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 it's COVID. It's so you take your eyes off your problems and you look up to the author and finisher of your faith. Too many times we're looking around and everything shakes us. And Satan wants you shaken. But if we keep our eyes on Jesus and we stay on the narrow road and we continue our race, He's faithful. If you don't believe God's faithful of what you're going through now, I want you to look back and see what he brought you from. He brought you out of a lot of mess. I can promise you this. He brought me out of all kinds of messes that I created myself. Our own demise, our own problems a lot of times are our own demise. We cause them. Whatever man sows, he reaps. And we want to blame God when we get in bad situations. When we cause them. See, the Bible not only is an accurate history book of prophecies and everything else, but it's an example of godly men and ungodly men. And if you look at the ungodly men, you understand that they didn't want to do it God's way. And they wanted to have their own way and do their own things. And you see the collapse of Israel time and time again. But then you can read about people like Esther and Boza, Boaz 
And you say, wow, there is a godly man. The examples of the Bible show us that when we do things God's way, he blesses us. When we do it our own way, it's when we get in a lot of trouble. And unfortunately, if you're like me, i got to learn my lesson two or three times. You know, I'm kind of hard-headed that way. And every time I goof up, I look up and I said, please let that be sown on bad ground. I don't want to reap a big harvest for it. But most of the time, our problems are caused by us. When you have problems, look up. Look up. Just like everybody in this room, I have problems. I had a lady once tell me, Pastor Duane, you don't have no problems because you're always happy. Problems don't dictate my mood. Yes, I get sad. Yes, I have bad days. I'm flesh and blood just like all of you. I just know where to turn to. There's times I don't know what to say. I'll just go worship for hours. I know where I belong, and I know who I belong to. But I know that God did not accept lip service from Israel. He said, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Where is your heart today? It's a heart thing. Everything about this book is a heart thing. Where is your heart? Is it fully committed to God and God's plan for your life? I cannot fulfill the plan God has for your life. I can only fulfill the plan that God had for my life. Honestly, I can't believe that God would have me stand up in the pulpit and preach anything. But he turned my life around. He gave me love I've never felt before. He was 100% committed to me. He's 100% committed to you. Does that commitment go both ways? So if running a marathon is 90% mental, then we got to do something about it. See, in Romans 12, too, it says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of the mind that by testing you, you may discern what is the will of God, what is God, uh, good and acceptable and perfect. Do you want to know God's perfect plan for you? I did. I couldn't believe God could love me. But when he found out he loved me, I'm like, you got a plan for me? He has a plan for you. But if you want to know what is good and acceptable and perfect will of God is for your life, then we got to renew our mind, our way of thinking into the word of God. Renew your mind. Because Satan's going to fill it all the time he can with worldly thoughts. Do you ever notice that it's called TV, it's called programming? Guess what they want to program? Your mind. Oh, COVID's over here, and Russia's over there, and there's problems everywhere. Stock market's going like this because fear is a great controller. But God says, fear not, for I am with you. Who are you going to believe? Are you going to believe that God has control over your life if you let him? Or that 
circumstance just happens by chance. What are we going to believe? I want to see mature Christians stand up, come up here, drop on their knees, and say, God, not my will be done, but thy will be done. Is God's will being done in your life? I'm preaching to me as well as I'm preaching to you. Can I do better? Yes, I can. And I'm going to do better. That's my goal. My goal is to finish the race that God had planned for me, and I'm not done till I get to glory. And he says, well done, good and faithful servant. That's all I need to hear. You got to finish the race. Too many people drop out. I've heard people saying, well, I'm going to go try this church over here. Three years later, hey, how did it work over that church? I haven't been back to church. Can I ask you something? Does Satan have something better to offer you? Sin, bondage, alcohol, drugs. What does he have better than offer you than the perfect love of our Heavenly Father? Nothing. In the scripture, he says all he wants to do is kill and destroy, and he's doing a pretty good job of it when I see the marriages falling in the church left and right. When I see people falling by the wayside left and right. And it starts with the renewing of the mind. It starts by taking my will and saying thy will, but how do I know what his will is when I only read this once a week when I go to church? The renewing of mind. Isaiah 26, 3 says, You will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast because they trust in you. To some people, peace eludes them, anger comes out of them because the word of God isn't inside of them. You can justify all you want, but in God's eyes, Anger, you need to learn to control. Your words, you need to control. And it starts right in the mind. How come so many Christians walk around saying, poor me, poor me? Where's your victory? Found in Christ? Where's the victory in the church when all I hear is poor me, poor me? COVID this, I'm being attacked. We have weapons. And the only offensive weapon you have is the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Did you notice that? The rest are defensive weapons. Shield of faith, helmet of salvation, respiration of righteousness, the sword you can swing. There's times I look up and your word says, you promised never to leave me nor forsake me, Father, and I believe you. That when I go through this, I understand that, for we know that all things work together for those who love God and called according to his purpose, Romans 8, 28. I understand the word of God, and that was probably one of the hardest scriptures I ever had to swallow, was Romans 8, 28. Because when bad things happen, I don't want to hear Romans 8, 28. Because I'm thinking, poor me, poor me. But when I look to that, I realize something very 
important that we miss out of Romans 8.28. For we know that all things, God is in control of your life in all things. All we got to do is believe him. For we know that all things, how many things are out of God's control? God's in control of all. So when you go through bad things, and by, at times, battle is here. It's here. Get in your word. In 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 3, Paul the Apostle speaking, but I'm afraid just as Eve was deceived by the serpent's cunning, your minds may somehow be led astray from your sincere and pure devotion to Christ Jesus. Satan will give you anything he can. If he thinks a lot of money will get you out of church, he'll probably give you a lot of money. If he thinks sin will, he'll pour it all over you. If you're an alcoholic, let me give you a hint. Don't go to a bar. Don't go to a liquor store. That's the way to start. It's not that complicated. I want to see God pour out blessings and blessings upon you. But unfortunately, the church really can't handle it. Years ago when I was talking to God about that subject, why haven't you blessed me more? <laughs> he used some phrases I didn't want to hear. He said, if you're a fool with a little, you'll be a fool with much. So until I get you to quit being a fool, it doesn't do me any good to bless you. And I was like, can you use another word but fool? <laughs> Understand, God has your best intentions at hand when you go through something. But we got to quit saying, poor me, and say, Father, I am trusting you because you gave me Christ Jesus, your very best, so let me step out in faith with my very best and give it back to you as your servant. Battle's right here. It's in the mind. He will get you out of the church if he can, slowly, over time, drag on you. If you feel like you're not being spiritually fed, pick up your Bible. God speaks to me a lot of times through that. A scripture stands out. A brother from work come out and give me a word. God speaks to me. He wants to speak to you. It's hard for him to speak to you when you're like this. Or you're watching stuff you shouldn't be watching. Don't program your way into this world. Program your way into the word of God. God has such a beautiful plan for you and your life. It's amazing what he's turned around in my life. Drugs, alcohol, chasing women, bar fighting, you name it. I was pretty well wrapped in a lot of that garbage. And then one day, someone told me Jesus loves me. Not me. I can see why he loves you guys. But how in the world could God love me, a sinner? I never deserved God's love, ever. But he poured it out on me. And so today I am the man I am, not because how great I am or good I am, but how great my God is. Because Yahweh loves me. 
when you run a marathon, you need more than just a mindset, which helps a lot. But you better take in calories. If you're anything like me, if I'm home, I like the refrigerator. So I try to stay away from it, but I like calories. You know, people always tell me, you can't eat that, you can't eat that. And I'm like, I'm going to eat what I want. Leave me alone. And so I, I love donuts. I love cookies. I try to keep them out of the house because I will eat it if it's in front of me. Ah, bread. John 6, 35. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Remember, that word means to put your spiritual hope and trust in Christ and a commitment to God. God was the only one that can fill that cross-shaped puzzle missing out of your heart. If you're lonely and you have loneliness and you can't feel that loneliness, it's because you don't know my Savior. But if you turn to him, I promise you, he'll feel that loneliness. He took it out of me, and I've never forgotten. Many people looked at me and said, well, why would you start being a Christian? And why aren't you partying with us and going to bars and doing all this stuff? And I told them I've been on that side of the fence. No peace, temporary joy, no happiness. But on this side, I found peace. Passes all understanding. I found hope. I found love. I found contentment. And I found the joy that nobody can take from me, even when things go bad. I can always find a reason to worship God, my Savior, all the time. And so can you. Jesus says, I am the bread. In John chapter 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that was made. In Him was the life, and the life was the light of mankind. The light shines in the darkness. Too many of us are still living in darkness. Can I ask anybody here, why in the world would you watch a horror movie? Programming. You ever read want ads? Did you ever pay attention? Want ads? Programming. Everything here is a battle for your mind. And if you give it over to Satan... He will run with it. But if we stay in the word of God, which is our bread, this is how you spiritually feed yourself. Feed yourself. Spiritually, some of you are starving. I know a lady recently got saved about most six, seven months ago, received Jesus Christ, and I run into her about five months later, after we baptized her, said, how are you doing? She goes, you don't understand. Nothing satisfies anymore. I understand. She goes, no, 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 you don't understand. Nothing satisfies. I go, correct. I understand. She's like, how do you understand? I go, you're spiritually starving, you're spiritual man. You need the bread of life, Jesus. 
You need to consume his word. No, no, you don't know. When I go fishing, I don't enjoy it anymore. I know, I love fishing. You're starving your spiritual man. Man doesn't live by bread alone, but every word out of the mouth of God. If you're going to be spiritually successful, you got to eat the word of God. Every one of these lessons that Jesus gave was a battle for the mind. Feeding yourself, staying focused on him. When you read the New Testament, it's amazing to me how many times to a different church Jesus gives the same message. Stop sinning. You don't need the Sabbath. You need me. That's all you need is Jesus Christ. That's all you need to make it through this world. Jesus. But you got to focus there. Spiritually, too many born-again Christians are starving to death because they're not taking the manna that came down from heaven. Pick up your word and read it. God and his word are one. Spiritually, the church is weak in America. I read, um, let's see, uh, Book of the Martyrs. I don't know if you've ever seen that magazine. Pretty fascinating how people on the Middle East are suffering, being persecuted for the name of Jesus. But then I hear about a miracle here and a miracle here and thousands getting saved in Iran and thousands getting saved in Somalia or wherever. Why does it not happen in America? We now have to evangelize our churches to get into the Word of God. In the beginning, God... The word was with God, speaking of Jesus. He's throughout the book. Everything about this book is God perching your salvation so you can be an overcomer. Say, I am an overcomer. I am an overcomer. Yes, all you got to do is pick up his word and read it. He'll be with you. You'll overcome tragedy time and time again. Problems time and time again. Struggles. Time and time again, if your eyes are in the right place. And sitting at home, your eyes aren't in the right place. Watching TV, your eyes aren't in the right place. Some people still look, listen to secular music. And I had, uh, God dealt with me that years and years ago. And so finally, I have a family member who says, there's nothing wrong with country music. And I go, you know what? Now that we got self-driving trucks, it won't be long before the truck drives away. I guess you missed that one. Anyways, <laughs> the problem with country music, I don't mind you listening to it. If you can get into the presence of God. If it's worship country music, so be it. It's if it's worship rap music, so be it. If it doesn't glorify God, you have no business listening to it. When my maturity level, when I first became a Christian, um, as you see, I'm all Western. Uh, used to rodeo, had horses. People say I'm a cowboy, whatever. But I used to, when I started the first worship, I didn't like a lot of the other music. I listened to country music. So then I had to find people, you probably haven't heard of guys like Statler Brothers, and their country music, that was gospel. And that's how I started. And I listened to more of it. And then I started liking a little bit of the praise and worship music. Now that's pretty much 99% of what I listen to. 
is worship music. Why? Because the battle is for here. Your mind. Remember that. When that woman walks by and you want to look, the battle is for the mind. When that guy says how pretty you are, but you're a married woman, remember the battle is for the mind. When something comes on that TV and you know better to watch it, the battle is for the mind. Start eating the Word of God and it will help you. Water. Boy, you ever need water when you're outside? Think about a marathon. How are you going to run 23 plus miles without water? I mean, you can condition the body, but you still need water. In 2 Timothy, for this reason, 1, 6 through 7, for this reason I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands, for the Spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. The Spirit is known as the water. Jesus says, any of you thirst, come on to me, and I will give you living waters. He's talking about the Spirit of the living God. But guess what he says in there? Self-discipline. You have a choice what you do, what you watch, what you hear, what you take in, what you bring out. When I hear people cuss with foul mouth, I go, you ever read perverse lips behind you? Christians shouldn't use that kind of language. Either you have control of your emotions or your emotions have control over you. So if you lose your temper all the time or get mad at people, you're going to learn to be, have to learn to be more spiritual and control your emotions. There's times people cut me off of powers. I can feel my blood pressure going up too. I do. I feel it. And God says, how are you going to react this time? Let's see your maturity level now. Am I going to pass this? Or am I going to have to do it all over again? It's funny how I was so angry as a kid. And God removed that anger from me. I feel like the Hulk. I'm always angry. But I've learned to control that in me. So it never has to come out of my mouth. Anger is not from God. Control your emotions. I can tell a Christian's growth by what comes out of his mouth. If you always want to talk about football and not Jesus, where's your spiritual growth? If you ever want to talk about the movies, but not Jesus, where's your spiritual growth? My sub favorite subject is Christ crucified for my sins. I love to share the word of God. I love to share it on the job, especially with people that aren't saved. I like to go up to them and let them know somebody cares, and his name is Jesus. Somebody loves you, and it's Jesus. But he didn't die for us to play games. Well, God knows. Yeah, and he's not real happy about it. How are you treating your 
wife? How are you submitting to your husbands? Oh, I don't like that word submissive. Really? God calls us to submit to one another too. You don't like that one either? You got to submit to your bosses in school, your teachers. Sometimes we pick up these terms and we think it's a bad word. I don't understand why guys can't pick up, love your wife as Christ loved the church. Why can't we get that? doesn't seem that hard. I, I speak to a man a lot because I'm a man. I'm not quite figured out how women think, so you got to forgive me there. But for men, I understand. But I realized one day that Christ gave the church everything it needed to physically and spiritually to survive and to be happy. And my wife's a direct reflection of that. How am I treating her? Maybe one day you ought to ask your wife that. I've done that before. Don't be afraid of the answer. Man up. That's the only way I can put it, man up. I had to. The examples I had in my life weren't great. I love my mom and dad. They weren't a good example. Look around to good examples. As Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. Look for good examples to treat your spouse. Do you have a heart of submission? Because if you don't, you got a problem. It's not with me. It's with the one that wrote this book. Why do we think that God is a God that, let's say, is in a democracy? This book has a theme all the way through it. The kingdom of God. It's not a democracy. God really doesn't care about my opinion. I really never ask him. Sometimes I give him my opinion, but he's not really, you know, God, I think you ought to answer this prayer this way. And he does something completely out of the box. But God's in a dictatorship. And when he said, husband loves your wife, it wasn't with a question mark. It wasn't asking you. It was commanded you to love your wife. When he said, submit to your husband, he wasn't asking you. He was telling you to submit. Why do we make it so hard? We make it really, really hard because we don't renew our mind. We want wives submit to your husband, but we don't really want to love our wives. Not the way Christ said, but he commands it. When Jesus spoke, it was never a suggestion or you ought to do it this way. He always spoke as a commandment for he is king of kings and Lord of lords. And if we're going to get our marriages where God wants them, it starts with me. With me. Not with your spouse. Not with the person sitting next to you. It starts with me being committed to what God says and doing it his way. You will find out. You will then have peace in the household, joy, Happiness, anybody don't like those three? My house to me is a sanctuary. 
When I leave home or work, I go home, I am happy. I can go to the gazebo, I can worship, I can relax. Is your house a sanctuary or is it a battleground? Let's make it a sanctuary. John chapter 4, 14. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him shall never thirst. But the water that I will give him will become in him a well of water springing up to eternal life. And I'm going to turn over and I'm going to finish this out in the seventh chapter of Matthew. Because everything he says through this is important. He already said, I'm the gate. You're not getting there without me. Your marriage isn't getting any better without Christ being the center of your life. Your finances will not get any better till Jesus is the center of your life. Understand that. I can't help it any other way. I can tell you what I've learned uh, by practical means of God showing me. If you're going to have a better life, you better learn to sow better seeds. It would be nuts if a farmer wanted wheat and he went out and planted corn. But if you want love in your life, then don't sow anger to your spouse. Sow meekness, temperance, kindness, self-control. What do you want in your life? God has given you everything. And all he's trying to tell you is sow the proper seed and you'll reap abundance of harvest of what you want. If you want anger... Unforgiveness, bitterness, you'll get, you'll get anger. I understand farming, and I understand that if I want corn, I better plant corn. If you want peace, plant love. If you want love, plant peace. Our households, a lot of times, are what we make it. Our lives turn out what we do. What you do with your time I cannot help you. But if there's work to be done, I suggest we do it. God's way, not our way. Life is hard enough, and you will have struggles. People you love will pass on. We will get sick. We're in this world. But if you're going to make it through here with joy, peace, happiness, contentment, never had that before I was saved. I only found all those things in Jesus, and that's why I refused to get off the path. Stay on the narrow road. Don't fall short. People around you watching, and they're waiting for you to make a mistake. Ha ha! I thought you were a Christian. Yeah, it's under construction. I'm not arrived yet. I am not perfect. Let's continue on. We did the narrow road. And this he says, beware of false prophets mm. who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Even so, every good tree bears good fruit, 
but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Therefore, by their fruits, you will know them. Hmm. So let's just take the fruit of the Spirit. Patience, peace, kindness, gentleness, meekness, temperance, self-control. All wrapped up in love. That's how you can tell a mature Christian of how he responds to the circumstances around him. Does he reach out in anger? I had a guy at work one day and goes, do you know why you're my favorite foreman? I know I don't have a clue. He goes, because when chaos hits and everything's going bad, you're like, okay. Everybody else is running around with their heads cut off and panicking. And I said, you know what? If I felt like panicking would help, I'd panic too. There's a problem. Let's just find a solution. I can tell him, a Christian, when I'm driving down the road, if he's driving, someone cuts him off. What comes out of his mouth? That's where the rubber meets the road, I hate to tell you. Jesus said, you'll know them by their fruit. You can tell. So if somebody is always in anger and tells you he's born again, hmm. well, then you're an immature Christian, that's for sure, at best. If foul language is always coming out, fruit ain't too good. Let your fruit be that of peace, love, joy, contentment, long-suffering. That's not a word I really like, but it is there, long-suffering. And then he continues. Let's go down to... I want to go down to 21. I think this one is critical for us so you understand what's at stake. What's at stake to each and every one of us is eternity. That's what's at stake in this life. My life at my age, it went by that quick. I feel like I just graduated high school, yet I can't do math no more. (laughs) So I know it's been a little bit. But Jesus said something in 21 that shocked me when I read it. He said, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name? Have we not cast out demons? And Jesus looks at him and says, get away from me. I never knew you. You never had a personal relationship with Jesus Christ because you were never committed to doing his will or being in his word. It's a commitment to God. This shocked me when I first read it. I go, Muslims don't cast out demons in Jesus' names. Buddhists don't cast out demons in Jesus' name. These are people tending church that are playing church, not knowing the author. Where are we? Are we playing church? Are we here one day a week, 
starving to death spiritually, not being a light to anybody, surrounded by darkness from the programming around us. If you get your information for the news, I can promise you, you are in sad shape. A lot of days I won't even watch the news. I might get on and read. I found out if I read the news in Europe, it seems to be a lot more accurate than it is here because everything here is programming you to live in fear, doubt, anxiety. God can remove every one of them, and he will. You put your eyes in the right place. If you continue the race, I need you because you help me. There's times I walk in this church, somebody like Ed to come up and give me a hug. I need that. Thank you. I need the fellowship. I love to see younger Christians eager for the word of God. I like to see mature Christians helping the younger ones and discipling them up to be stronger Christians. I like to see that guy that just got saved and wants to tell everybody about Jesus and not afraid what the person next to him thinks. But then we say, you can't do it that way. Most doctrine is made up by man, not by God. Did you ever notice that? I, I try to stay away from doctrine. Try to stay away from doctrine. God loves you more than you, you can ever imagine. It shocks me that he could take his one and only son, hang him on that cross, have him brutalized and beaten, and still have a planet. Because if that was my son, the world would have paid. And I'm just talking, I'm flesh just like you. I would not have given my son for this place. But I thank him he did because it shows him how great his love is greater than my love and how he is 100% committed to us. I can't fathom that. It shocked me when I read that. And when I heard I was forgiven, I couldn't believe it. A God that came to earth to bear my sins, to be mocked and hung on a cross that I could have eternal life. And we only want to give God 5% of our time. He wants all your time. Quit focusing in on everything around you, because Satan's going to attack you from all sides. But understand this. When you're going through that trial, he's there with you. This message all started when I read about a pastor that loved to hike. But he liked the 14ers. I've been offered uh, several times to go on a walk with people to 14ers, and I'm like, have you lost your mind? I once had a lady say, look, we'll do this 14er, and it's back when I was single. And she goes, it's really, really great. I go, it is. She goes, yeah, you get close, and you feel like you're going to die. 
and then you make it. I see no pleasure in that at all. I will have to say, no, thank you. But for some odd reason, this pastor just loved to hike, but his boy always wanted to go with him. Young kid, seven, eight years old. But finally one day he decided, you know, I, he really wants to go. He's pretty much got the stamina. And I'll, I'll take an easier route, and uh, he'll make it. So he decides one day he had it all planned out and uh, takes his young boy for a walk. And as they get, they re he realizes, well, his steps aren't as big as my steps, and it's taking a lot longer, so we'll take a shortcut. Do you know there's no shortcuts with God? But he took a shortcut. And all of a sudden, the train got steep, and the little boy's falling. He keeps falling, but he keeps going, and he doesn't quit. And they get real close, and the dad turns around, and the boy's sitting there crying. Knees bloody, bruised. He goes, yeah, I know. I know, Dad. Continue. God's telling you to continue. Don't throw in the towel. If he has to carry you, I promise you, he will. Don't give up. Don't give up. I've had a lot of people that I loved in the Lord so much, and they've fallen by the wayside. Some were worship leaders. They don't even attend church. How do you get there? You got your eyes on the wrong place. I'm pleading with you. Get in your word. Get on your knees. Seek the author and finisher of your faith. Don't give up on this marathon. This too will pass. God's not finished with you. He said he'll never leave you nor forsake you, and he hasn't. Look to that cross for a reminder. He's never forgotten you. Amen? Shall we pray? Father, thank you so much for Jesus, Father. I don't know what else to say, Father. You've done more for me and the people in this church than anyone's ever come along. Father, I pray for strength in my brothers and sisters and in me, Father. Father, to continue the race, to continue the fight, to pick up our sword when it needs it, to get on our knees when we need to, Father God. Remind us daily, Father, that it's all about you and your son Jesus. Father, strengthen us once again by your spirit. Let the living waters flow through us, Father. 